if you're a first-time home buyer, you actually have many options that are available to you that are only available for first-time home buyers. For example, you can put as low as 3.5% down versus 20% down when you're purchasing a property. And that's through the loan of FHA. And that is what I did when I purchased my first home. Welcome to The Real Deal, a commercial real estate investing podcast. I'm your host, Aman Shahi. There's a ton going on in the world right now, and much of it impacts real estate investors. The Real Deal podcast will take a look at what's happening and how it influences you as a real estate investor. Each episode is a 20-minute segment dedicated to distilling the day's most important news, so you can stay up to date on what's going on in the world and how it might affect the commercial real estate market. Hey, Austin, how's it going? Hey, Amal, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I have a quick question. What is house hacking? Yeah, so house hack is the practice where you purchase a property, you live in it while you rent out the available units and bedrooms for the rest of your property so that you can use the cash flows generated from the rent to cover parts of your mortgage or at sometimes the full amount of your mortgage or even more. So is it more like you need to have more than one unit that you rent other units? How anybody can do it even with the one single unit? Yeah. So in the simplest form, what you're doing is that you are sacrificing parts of your lifestyle where let's say that you have a single unit, but it's a two-bedroom apartment. You can rent out the other bedroom. So you basically live with a roommate and your roommate pays part of your mortgage in the form of when you're owning the property. Uh, Same like when we used to do in the college. Yeah, exactly. Except that you're the owner. Now you're the owner. There you go. Yeah, that's the difference. And can it only be done for one unit, two unit? How many units you could have to do this kind of house hacking? So generally speaking, it is between one to four units when you're doing a house hack. The reason for that is for residential properties, between one to four units, those are categorized Mm -hmm. under that. But anything above four units, so uh, let's say if you have a five unit, then it's another commercial property and that falls under another set of rules. So the biggest scale one can do in uh, residential property is, let's say, four units. So you occupy one unit and you rent out Mm -hmm. three of your other units to other tenants and you have to occupy that unit for more than a year under certain loan conditions if it is a primary residence that you're applying the loan for. So what are the financing options if somebody wants to buy four unit, three unit, how much down payment do they need and what are the requirements they need to have? Yep. So the general rule is that you're putting down 20%, but that's really, in my opinion, a misconception that a lot of people have, especially if this is your Mm -hmm. very first property, because if you're a first time home buyer, you actually have many options that are available to you that are only available for first-time homebuyers. For example, you can put as low as 3.5% down versus 20% down when you're purchasing a property. And that's through the loan of FHA. And that is what I did when I purchased my first home. Well, some people also say like, you know, you don't need FHA. You can go with the conventional. So with the 5%, it's also one of the same scenario. Yep, it's a similar scenario, except that one thing that we should be aware is that as long as your down payment is under 20%, then you need to pay some extra money per month for a thing called mortgage insurance. And Uh, that is to basically compensate the fact that 
you do not have that 20% down so that your loan is inherently more risky so that you need to pay that additional dollars to make up for that risk. However, that is not something that would put people off 100% if you're able to put down a higher leverage and if you're being smart about it, you can actually have a pretty healthy leverage even though you're paying that amount because you're able to get that additional rent to cover those expenses. So how was your experience with the house hacking? Yeah, so it's really a mix of good and bad. And the good being that I did learn many, many things from all of the mistakes that I have made in my first house hack. So I'd say that I learned the ins and outs of so many aspects from managing tenants to renovating the property to come out and fix everything, sometimes by hand, sometimes working with different contractors uh, to figure things out. Sometimes a lot of the things that when I rent out uh, units, when I, when I lived by myself, when I was renting out other people's units, I was not aware of those many things that I needed to consider as an owner. So those are the things like uh, city taxes and insurance and legal, all of those. Mm. I, don't, I didn't even need to think about any of those until I became an owner. Mm. So from that aspect, I learned a lot, but you just didn't know what you don't know. And I did oh, yeah. m- make a ton of mistakes along this way. And what were those mistakes? Oh my God, where do I start? So the first thing is <laughs> that I think that you really want to screen your tenants well. And mm-hmm. I didn't really do that properly. Like, I, I think that the, at a higher level, the first mistake is that I should have really go out and spend my time to work with a very experienced agent who are in this field, who knows exactly how to operate this type of stuff. Because a lot of the times when you're working with an agent, if they do not have many deals on their belt, and if this is the first time that they are working on a deal with you, they're pretty much learning, making money off of your experience, right? Going back to the screening the tenants part, I didn't really screen properly. I feel like there's always this like, oh, I think this is okay. I'm going to trust this agent who's going to find me the best tenant. But a lot of the times if they, if it's the first time that they are doing this, their guess is as good as yours and you don't know how to guess. So were you doing any background check? I did do a background check. So the tenant that gave me the most problem, it actually turned out to be a Section 8 tenant and I actually Uh rented out my first unit through Section 8. And I'm not saying that every tenant in Section 8 is bad, but just based on my experience, I didn't, I I screened my tenants, right? They have super high credit score and all, but I still didn't really- yeah, that is literally just a number, right? Like with the engineer in mind, you're like, oh, that's, oh, the number's great. But yeah. like, sometimes you really have to talk to them and speak to them because yeah, they definitely give me a lot of headaches in many, many aspects, which I could go into details uh, based on how this conversation goes. But one thing is that I did not scream my tenant properly, like be a hard ass at the beginning so that you can, you know, like sleep with a good night's sleep after you take your tenants in because once they're in, it's very, very difficult to get them out. Were you using any a website or any kind of tool to do the background check or you were depending everything on your property manager or, or the agent to find the tenants and doing the background check? So I was. So there are a list of tools that you can use for background checks, which is some of them I started util, utilizing later on. But uh, for my very first tenant screening, it was just asking my listing agent, let him handle it, and I'll see the list of things that the, the very basic 
informations. And mm. you know what? Oh, that seems okay. Let's go for it. And that's sometimes not the optimal way to do it. You know, even I did the house hacking too. I use the tool mysmartmove.com. It's just that, like 40 yep. bucks. Yep. And that's a really good tool. And even some property manager recommended me that tool. And it's pretty great. It gives you all your information about your income, your credit score. If you have any criminal record, it's just 40 bucks. Yep. Later on, and that's exactly I, what I used. And I believe that the listing agent also used something like that. But yeah, still, that was not and, covering everything. And what are the other mistakes did you do during management? When you were managing your tenant, your property, and even while living there, being a landlord, what are the mistakes you did? So I think in terms of management, it, if you didn't screen a tenant well, mm -hmm. you can put the best effort in management. You still feel like managing the tenant is a second full-time job almost because the- Self-employed. Yeah, exactly. So the, the first tenant, right, I, there's many, many issues that came arise from it. Some of them, I would have to say, it is due to some of the capital expenditures that should have been done, but yeah. there were a lot of delayed maintenances that was not been done to the property that I was not aware of. So I was you know, fixing a lot of those things. But even after that, there are just people that are not great to like work with. And uh, yeah, so like just in terms of management, I would say that if you have done your screening, you've done 90% mm -hmm. of your management work because the second round of tenant that I got from my unit, I basically did none of the management work. Right now, it's like, I don't even mm. feel like that they're there, but like the rent is always on time and they let me know if there's any uh, serious issues. And there's one instance of that and that's it. But sure, the, sure, the, oh, the, the instance. So the new tenants is great. The, that instance was merely just the fact that, uh, what do you call it, the, under the sink, that system where it's like sucking out all of the... The it's plumbing like, pipeline. Yeah, yeah, that plumbing pipeline broke. And I was there trying to fix it, right? I was mm -hmm. like, wait, what is happening? Why is this not like flushing down? And then it turns out that that unit is like towards the end of service and we just ended up putting a new Maybe one. Maybe that clogged. Uh, well, it didn't clog. I, I tried to figure it out. I was like, I was the plumber at that time and it did not clog. It just, oh, you were doing by yourself? I was trying to fix it. I was trying to like... Like, hey, what is going on? Well, yeah, it, it was a mix of me fixing stuff and also me working with contractors. I ended yeah, up outsourcing it to contractors. That's the thing I always understand. For, like, understand this year, don't do everything by yourself. There are people, hire them, hire the professional. You might spend a little bit of money. You're not going to get any kind of headache because as you're saying, you had a headache fixing this, fixing that, managing. And you were working as a self-employed to manage one property. And still living in a you know depression, stress, and having a lot of headaches. Yeah, and this is only a tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of the other stuff that <laughs> was like, what is happening? What, is this supposed to be this hard? I don't think so, but why? And what other mistake did you face, or any any kind of like problem did you face while managing the property? Yeah, so I'd say that from a capital expenditure perspective, there were a ton of things that. I just did not expect to be such an issue. Mm -hmm. I did have the, you know, the inspection and everything at the beginning when we were under contract, but mm -hmm. it still it didn't. Late. It still didn't surface many of those things. So one example is that as soon as the other tenant went in after a month, the roof started leaking, and it's a very interesting mm -hmm. structure of this duplex too because it's built first as a single family, right? Like this, you have a single family. And then on the side, you have a unit like this over here. And 
It's a very interesting structure, and I looked up the deed after I purchased the property, and apparently you can't build this type of deal. You can't build this type of properties anymore. It's not allowed, but it was able to be grandfathered in to be allowed. So I was like, oh, oh, oh man. So it doesn't supposed to be like this, but like granted, in Boston, you have a lot of these old properties, but this is yeah. just one of those very weird structures, right? So you have this water come down over here from the main unit, flushing down to the second units over here, which is their bathroom. And then their bathroom started leaking because all of this water is flushing down here. And then I had to get a roofer to come and fix it, right? And then the roofer company, I asked like three to five contractors. And one thing to note is that in any sort of capital expenditure renovations, always ask at least at minimum, three contractors, all right? You really ideally want to get to five. Three to, three to four, three to five quotes. Yeah, definitely three to five quotes yeah. because yeah. I'll talk about why you need to do that later, but going back to this roof issue, right? And then they come in and put like a rubber roof that is like super strong, sturdy over there that fixed the problem, right? And then they came and tell me, oh, like your roof is actually at the end of service and you need to replace your roof <laughs> on your main unit. I was like, oh, okay, how much does that cost? Boom more than 10 grand out there. Oh boy. Yeah. And then the first capital expenditure that hit me, I was like, okay, you know what? It's end of service and I don't want all of this water issues. Let's just do it. And then a couple months later, we started to see this mold forming in that bathroom. We were like, why is that? What's happening? And then it's like, oh, you are actually have mold because of this water we're flushing down or something. So we got that fixed. As soon as we noticed, we got a mold company, remediation company in there, another 2K out of the window. Sure. Fine. You know what? Slippery slope. Yeah. I was like, wait, how is that even possible? They're like, oh, like you have this dormant mold in the ceiling or something, but that's fine. That's like normal. But when water flush it down, it can start forming without you noticing until like you see this mold forming and then you call the company. So that was like one, one problem leads to another, one another problem leads to another. Leads to another. And um, you need to get that fixed right away when you see it. Yep, exactly. So that was one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And another thing is that because winter is like super cold in Boston, you have this. Yeah. Uh, and then when we purchased the property, it's the coldest winter of Boston, right? And then I looked at this bill. So the way the heating system works here is that there's gas system, there's oil system. We had an oil mm -hmm. system. So you basically have the oil company come in, put the oil mm -hmm. in the oil tank, which fuels everything, fuels the, the entire house. And I looked oil? at- That's it, new. Oh, it's old. It's old. Maybe that's old. It's old. It's new for you because maybe you live in a new area, but it's, it's like a common old thing in Boston. I had no mm. idea. I was like, oil, gas, whatever, it's the heating system, right? So we basically have this huge oil tank in here. And we looked at the bill. It was like 600 bucks over a two-week period for like heating <laughs> for heating your home. I was like, wait, is that normal? And they're like, oh yeah, it's normal or whatever. And then I ended up just changing that entire system, switched that to gas using a program called Mass Save, which actually helps a little bit. Like it's like a government program that assists homeowners to do How some of these pay? HVAC renovations. And how much did you pay? So I did the HVAC in here and we installed mini splits on the other unit. Oh. And both of these together, that's about 20 to 30K. Oh my God. That's, I think that's, you spend more money on CapEx than down payment. I spend more money on the CapEx than down payment. Oh, wow. Well, one, yeah. And one thing about this is that I was able to get a 0% down payment for the next seven years for that's that cost. 
from you from still have to pay massive but yeah exactly at the end you still have to pay so that was like wait i needed to do this i didn't know because i realized oh you know what you actually need some of these renovations if you want to keep the property like in a good condition or something mm-hmm. so that's another huge expense right and another interesting thing and this is why you need like to screen tenants properly right they're supposed to be like two people with a baby three and then they ended up having like five people in there with like three cars there's supposed to be one car and they had like three cars in there and then i was like oh god i was like oh i guess there are a lot of cars let me let me put in like be the nice person that i am Let, let me put in some sort of like payment for my driveway or something right because there were only because it was like a a driveway that only had two cars and then there's like some space here that i was thinking to put in the driveway mm-hmm. and then i spent another 5k on the driveway right and i was like oh you know what let me just put that thing in there and then i asked the contractor they're like oh fine that you shouldn't have to worry like you can just put in there without an issue mm-hmm. and then a couple of weeks later i got a call from the city they're like oh you know what you can you can't actually do that <laughs> you have to have permits for it i was like wait what kind of permits are you talking about they're like yeah you know what in order for you to be allowed to get the permit for it you have to have a specific ratio between yeah. your parking spots non-grass area versus your grass area like you can't have more than 50 percent of your property as driveway like you need had the other half to be like grass otherwise you're like in city violation we're gonna come in or whatever do something that you don't want i was like oh god what do i do did you pay any fine to the city for the city violation uh are we still recording yeah cool yeah um <laughs> did you pay any fine to the city for the city violation did i pay any fees for the city violation no actually so they were actually pretty nice enough to let me know like hey like we'll give you some time to like work it out right um but however they were like oh you know what you can't really have this and now you have to like apply for a permit or something so i went to their drove to their department as i met some nice people there and like oh let let me figure this out and then they're like oh you know what you actually need to do another thing like you need to have your curb cut i was like what is a curb cut and they're like oh you basically can't have this like curb here up to your driveway because you need to like have that handled like smoothen out mm-hmm. so that it's an actual driveway. So you're basically altering the city's like property because the curve does not belong to you. That belongs to the city. So you can have your parking spot, but you also need to get that curb cut. I was like, okay, how does that work? Uh, you need to like apply for it and you need to come to the city hearing, get this approved. And then I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. So I dressed up. I went to the city hearing on a Tuesday and then there were like a bunch of people that were like, five or six people they're like hey why do you need this curb cut like blah 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 because sometimes city don't want you to have that curb cut because like you know they have less curbs if like it's a heavy traffic area or something so i have to like be there present my case you know taking pictures and everything saying why i needed this and why this is okay and they're nice enough to like give it to me but the cost of curb cut is on you and that is another 5k oh wow it's another 5k to do the curb cut i was like you were just spending money and money on i was spending money left and right on that uh capital expenditures and that's not really at the end of it so that's what what have we talked about the parking lot right and then the parking lot like after a few months we see some like bumps apparently like grass seed underneath that are bumping out the newly paved driveway and then i Mm -hmm. asked the contractor to come again redo it and everything but yeah that's the parking spot 
And another thing that I did was that there were three trees around the house. Mm -hmm. I specifically asked the inspector, like, is that tree an issue? Is that like encroaching the property or whatever? Is that like hurting the foundation or whatever? Like, oh, fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Normal or whatever. I was like, wait, is that really? And then I was like, no, that does not sound right. Like you shouldn't have trees right next to your house, especially that close to your basement. Mm -hmm. And we ended up spend, oh God, how much is this? Couple of grand. I think it's close to 5K again to cut down those three trees on the property. Cut the trees, $5,000 to cut it's the trees? Not, it's not cheap to cut trees. Those are big trees, and you don't want the trees to like drop down on the property, right? Because it's like huge trees. Oh, wow. So they have to basically go up there, cut that branch down, cut that branch down, bro, cut, 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 and then at the end, take it out. And, and it's also a dangerous job. It was a dangerous job. So that's why you have to hire the right guys to do it because the trees, present actually a few issues. One is that it's right on top of it. So you have a lot of rodents like squirrels or whatever that can go to your roof and property and then do all sorts of stuff. We saw some like, yeah, very interesting animals on the roof there. After that, there's no longer an issue. There were also like bird nests and everything that was like blocking the drainage. So that's one thing. And the other is that I think the way that was blowing on the property, right? The the tree is doing some sort of weird momentum to the house where if there's like mm. huge wind, the tree is not helping. The tree is actually like making this house like shake like that. But after we cut down the tree, like that's no longer a problem. So quick question. Did you do the inspection while buying the house? Uh, we did do inspection, but... And those issues never came up in the, the issue, inspection the issue just never the inspector didn't inspection. tell you anything about the um, your HVAC system or your oil system or about the leakage from the roof he didn't tell anything about like you know your roof is about like you need a new roof did he tell you at that time I think because the you know, roof part most of, the contract, most of the inspector they tell you how much life this roof has remaining yeah I, th I think the roof part it, it's interesting the way that it showed up. It it did show up. There were like 40, 50 things showed up, right? But that was my first time looking at an inspection report. And then that was like not super high on the list for some reason. I don't know. But it was there. I just didn't really, I guess. Pay much attention. Pay much attention. Be like, oh, this is a serious issue or whatever. Mm, that makes sense. And I think uh, that's a lot of like important information that anybody can learn from it and avoid those mistakes. Always look at your inspection report. If you think there's an issue, uh, try to talk to the owner, like, you know, your agent or whatever, try to negotiate the price so you can use that money for your house because those issues are going to come in the future, right? Exactly. And you cannot avoid all those expenses. You can't. If this issue can come, it will come. Just negotiate your price. Try to talk to the seller. Try to talk to your agent. Try to talk, you know, he will negotiate it for you. Just say, these are the issues. As you're saying, 40, 50 issues, that's a lot. That's not like one or two or three or four. A roof is very expensive. That's like 10K, 15K, yeah. you know, roof. And that's one of the biggest expense any house can have. Yeah, I think this is why I said like work with an experienced agent. My agent didn't be like, hey, here's the inspection report. Do you have any issue with that? I was like, hmm, I don't know what you should He's like, supposed you to tell you. Like, in mostly agents, they're supposed to tell you. Exactly. I think he was yeah. just trying to make money by yeah. selling you the house. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty much what's happening. I think. Guys, stay away from shady agents. First yeah, build a relationship, then do anything. Stay away from those shady agents. They just want to make money in the end. Yeah, I mean. They don't work for you, they work for money. And they won't tell you the truth all the time. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, we can blame the agent. I could blame the agent. I could blame me finding an insurance agent. So it's really, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think a lot of it, it does come down to me. Like, what can I do better in the future? Right? Like, yeah. 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 
wouldn't want any people to have a blaming mindset on this. Definitely look for the most experienced agent as possible on these type of purchases for sure. And also learn from these mistakes that you need to not just blindly trust your agent, also trust your instinct and also read your inspection report. If there's any issue, just tell, you know, I don't want that issue. Just fix it or negotiate the price. Just say, like, you know, I got this quote from the market to fix this plumbing issue or roof issue is like $15,000. Are you willing to negotiate the price? If they say no, just walk out. Just walk away. Because there are so many houses in the market that you can buy. You don't have to just stick to one house or one agent. Right, exactly. Thanks, Austin. Thanks all for information. And I'll see you around. All right. Take care. See you next time. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on The Real Deal, a commercial real estate investing podcast, the show that covers everything to do with multifamily real estate investing to help you become an expert in your real estate ventures. We're here to help you create passive income and financial freedom so that you can achieve what you want whenever you want. We'll catch you next time on The Real Deal.